you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, and that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, fully vaccinated, dodging variants, Neo Matrix. Uh, you know the whole spiel. We are officially into week one. As always, I'm joined by producer Justin and Michael F. Florio. And uh, happy Labor Day, first of all, to uh, all of you out there. Uh, Florio, how has your, your Labor Day weekend been? Uh, my Labor Day, well, happy Labor Day to you, Marcus. Um, the, the weekend was good. Um, I actually had some family in town just for the weekend, so got to, you know, hit up some food spots and the beach with them. That was cool. And now, uh, now we're like Bill Belichick, Marcus. We're on to week one. We're on to week one. Uh, yeah, and it's you know it's doing that thing in LA. Uh, it seems to do every year where like somehow like mid August, late August, it cools down, and then the heat comes back on Labor Day weekend like with a vengeance. Um, you know, I was uh, down in Long Beach. I took the kid to the the Aquarium of the Pacific, which I'm a nerd for those kinds of things. Um, but it was bloody hot. I think after a while he was kind of like, yeah, let's tap out and go home. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it's been good. 
And uh, so now we are here laboring on Labor Day for you because, as Florio mentioned, it is week one. We are just a handful of days away from the 2021 season kicking off. I have heard tales that it is the largest season ever, but maybe that's just me. Um, all right, so let's start with uh, a little bit of news. There hasn't been quite as much because we did have that dead period last week, but uh, maybe the bigger story that we've got going on this week is uh, Saquon Barkley, who has not yet been fully cleared for week one. They do expect he should be ready for Sunday, but there's also talk that he might not have a full workload as he continues to work his way back from last season's injury. Um Florio, I feel like he's been one of the guys who has been most picked apart among all the first-round potential draft picks there. And it's making me wonder, with all this news, is a first-round ADP a little bit too high for the people who maybe still be doing drafts up until Thursday? I think that for some people, they're, they're coming around that the first round is too early for Saquon Barkley. Um, but for me, I don't think it is, because the way I'm looking at it, Marcus, is... Maybe week one, week two, week three, he's not fully Saquon Barkley. Like, maybe he's on a touch count, maybe. But even so, what is a touch count for Saquon Barkley? Because if it's around 15 touches, Saquon Barkley can still be an RB1. He is that explosive. We know that. But the way I'm looking at this, Marcus, is even let's say you got to take him with a back end of the, the first overall in the first round, like 10, 11, 12, something like that. Maybe he doesn't live up to that value the first month of the season. But if from October on, you're getting the Saquon of old type production, well, then you're getting a top two, top three player in fantasy. So I will take the lesser value the opening month if come down the stretch especially in the fantasy playoffs when titles are won if I have Saquon of old on my roster that is such an advantage and I get him at a discount so for me a first round ADP is not too high for Saquon Barkley yeah, I haven't I haven't been able to let him get out of the first round, at least when I've I've had the choice. I, I feel like, you know, if I'm somewhere near the turn, if I'm in that eleventh spot, for instance, um, I, I am okay with taking him for just the reasons you said, even if it's a slow start to the year. They still want him to be the focal point of that offense. They've, they've got a lot of pass catchers, but I feel like they don't have a dominant guy uh, to throw the ball to. Maybe it's Kenny Galladay. Maybe Evan Ingram comes around. Uh, you know, Sterling Shepard's still hanging around there. He's been basically free in drafts because I think no yeah. one's really thinking about Sterling Shepard this year. Um, but you know, when when Saquon is right, they want to give him the ball a ton. Um, I, I did see this conversation sort of floating around on Twitter. I wanted to get your thoughts. Is it is it possible that he finishes outside the top 12 this year among running backs? It's funny, Marcus, because uh, on a show I did over the weekend, I was with uh, a buddy of yours as well, Scott Engel, and, and he said he does not have Saquon in his top 12. And I, to mm. me, that was hard to believe because, in my opinion, if Saquon Barkley stay the only way he doesn't finish in the top 12 is if he gets injured in my opinion like if he mm. stays healthy and plays the full season I don't see a way that he is not in the top 12 because like you said I mean he is going to be the focal point of that offense and not just the run game like they are going to throw the ball plenty to him uh, especially if they are trailing late in games I expect a lot of dump offs to go to Saquon Barkley so could he yes if the knee injury lingers or if it leads to like a hamstring injury or something like that I think that that is the only way I could see Saquon Barkley not finishing in the top 12. If he stays healthy all year, I would be shocked if he is not an RB1. I mean, I feel like if if people don't believe he can finish in the top 12, then, I mean, I guess that sort of matches up with him not having a first-round ADP for some folks. But I guess because you, know, you and I are on the other side of that fence, I don't mind taking him in the first round. I think, you know, I, I think he's going to be a top 12 running back. Um, 
you know, I, it, it will be interesting to watch because, like I said, I think that the two guys we've picked apart the most in the first round have been Saquon and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and so, like, I, I have minimal, uh, you know, minimal amounts of them on rosters uh, across my teams, but I am sort of curious to see how it finishes just because they seem to be two of the biggest unknowns uh, that we have out there. Um, in Indianapolis, we sort of know what their backfield is going to look like, but the Colts coaches have said they want to get Naheem Hines more touches this year. And we know going into this that, that he is sort of their pass catching back, that it's probably Jonathan Taylor on the first two downs. Uh, when they're trailing, when they're on third down, we'll probably see more Naheem Hines. You have been one of the biggest Jonathan Taylor proponents uh, around all offseason long. Does this worry you at all about what his workload might be? It's not ideal, I'll tell you that. It's uh, it's not what you want to hear as someone drafting Jonathan Taylor in the first round a week before the season starts. But they, the Colts have also said that they want to run the ball more this year. And I think with um, Carson Wentz dealing with this foot injury, I know it's looking like he's going to be okay and good to go, but it just didn't you know miraculously go away. So I think part of the way they could limit Wentz's work, especially early on, is by getting both of the running backs utilized more. And I think it could be okay, still fine for Jonathan Taylor, as long as that third running back isn't getting involved. Because last year, Naheem Hines was a thing. And and he never fully went away at any point. But the issue was, up until down the end of the season, they were involving Jordan Wilkins. And now that could be Marlon Mack, who we know they like. So, for me, I'm more worried about what they do with that third running back than with Naheem Hines. I still think... Jonathan Taylor is going to get a bunch of volume. I still think they're going to use him as like their goal line back. And for me, what this does, Marcus, is it puts like Aaron Jones firmly ahead of Jonathan Taylor for me now. But I still have Jonathan Taylor right after like the, the Zeke's and Eckler's and the Aaron Jones go. Then I have JT like right ahead of Saquon for me as the RBs I'll target at the end of the first round. I think for you, what what sort of makes it good is is. I think it makes it easier for you to get your two guys in the first two rounds, right? You can go and get your Austin Eckler in the first round and then maybe come around, depending on where you are, and get Jonathan Taylor in the second, which I feel like is kind of a dream start for you because I know how much you love those guys. Um, it's funny because I feel like Taylor has had a just kind of a steady decline in ADP since the start of the spring, right? Where I think when, when draft season really first opened, we were talking about him as certainly a solid first-round pick, mid-first round. Then we get the Wentz injury and the Quentin Nelson injury in what, like back-to-back -back days, basically. Um, now there's this Naheem Hines news. And so it's like people are slowly, you know, maybe not as excited. Not They're not fading him, right? I mean, he's still going in the early part of the second round so it's not like people are off the Jonathan Taylor train but definitely the excitement uh is not what it was I'd say back in you know April or May um yeah but I think I think regardless you're going to get a running back who still gets a big workload um and I think you're right it's it's that third running back because I feel like we've done a good job uh across the industry of figuring out two-headed running back situations right like we can kind of tell who's going to get the ball when it's when that third guy pops in there that things kind of get wonky uh and we're not sure where to go but uh you know I I guess I'm not super worried about Jonathan Taylor but you're right this is not the best thing you want to hear <laughs> like a week out from the start of the season um over to Washington, where they are, quote, very confident that Curtis Samuel is going to play in week one. Uh, he's been dealing with a groin injury. And I feel like, Florio, we haven't talked a lot about Curtis Samuel. And maybe it's because we haven't really seen Curtis Samuel in the preseason or in training camp. 
I came into the year thinking that, you know, there was a big year coming for him. Um, you know, he got out of the shadow of, of DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson in Carolina. Uh, he's back with a coach who knows him and Ron Rivera, but we haven't seen him. So, I mean, as you think about him, what do you feel like his ceiling is this year? So I don't think his ceiling has changed because I, I was with you, Marcus, like early in, you know, the summer and back before training camp and everything. When Curtis Samuel, before we knew that he was going to have this injury and miss all summer, I was ranking him as like a, a wide receiver three. Um, and he was someone that I, I was targeting. He finished as a top 30 wide receiver last year, and I thought he was going to have an even larger share of the workload this year as the clear-cut number two. Like last year, he was the number three behind DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson in his offense. Now, he really only had Terry McLaurin ahead of him. I still think that is his ceiling, being a top 30 wide receiver. Um, but what I do love is that he's been cheaper and cheaper and cheaper because we haven't seen him in drafts. I have a draft, Marcus, where I took him as my wide receiver six. And I wow. felt amazing <laughs> about that because the upside, I think, is still top 30. But I will say with even if they are confident that he's going to play in week one, I like Curtis Samuel for season-long purposes by the dip in his ADP because we haven't seen him, but I would not start him week one. Groin injuries are tricky. We haven't seen him. He hasn't built up that chemistry yet. So this could, I, I think if this has any impact, it could just impact him early on. I think once he gets going and, and gets that rapport down with Fitzy, I still think his ceiling is pretty high. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the big thing is just him getting the chance to work with Ryan Fitzpatrick because, you know, in the meantime, we know we know what Terry McLaurin is going to be. Uh, we know that they're talking about getting Antonio Gibson more targets, which makes sense considering he was a wide receiver in college. Why not integrate him more into your passing game? And, and I have you know gone on record as saying I think Logan Thomas is due for bigger things this year. So I think, you know, there's going to sort of be that battle for Samuel to kind of break through and become a favorite for Fitzpatrick. I don't think it's impossible. And like I said, he's he's with a head coach that knows him and is comfortable with him. So that certainly is going to be a, a big plus in his favor. But I do see it being kind of a slow start, and you're right. I mean, right now I'm looking. He's He's got a 12th-round ADP, which, you know, if you believe that, the, to quote the philosopher Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof, um, then getting him in the 12th round isn't so bad. So it, it's just been interesting to, to have gone from a guy who was really kind of hyped when he signed with Washington to the point that, that we've barely spoken about him. Uh, it's very much been out of sight, out of mind, I think, for Curtis Samuel, but... Uh, somebody's going to get a really good receiver and they're not going to spend a whole lot of draft capital to do it. And it, it may work out, especially by the midpoint of the season. It could work out uh, pretty well. The, so The fun thing that Washington has going for them is, like you said, they have a rec college receiver playing running back. And now with Curtis <laughs> Samuel, they have a college running back playing receiver. <laughs> Very true. Uh, <laughs> it's like it's sort of like that positionless basketball that people keep talking about over on the NBA side. Interesting. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? 
I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have know to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. All right, so the preseason is officially, officially over. It is it is regular season time now, so I felt like this would be a good chance to sort of go through uh, some of our drafts, some of the things we have seen in drafts, which, by the way, I, I would think, do you still have a couple more drafts coming up? I know I do this week. I, I was talking with producer Justin before the show. I think I only have one left, but Marcus, it is my craziest league. It is with the NFL Network research team. And because the research team keeps growing, we're up to 24 teams now. It wow. Is, we, we do not even – a quarterback and tight end is not mandatory to start. It is, <laughs> it is a wild league now. I, I don't know how this is going to look. You researchers, man. You guys are a wild bunch. We, wow. we were 20 last year. I told Justin I spent half my, my auction, my salary cap budget on Saquon Barkley, and then my season was over week two. that is insane i've I've talked to people who are in like you know 20 team leagues 20 plus team leagues and they're like yeah so like my third round pick was you know wayne gallman i'm like that seems miserable it's not that much fun (laughs) that that seems really miserable and i don't know why people do that to themselves but uh, god bless you if that's what you do um but anyway i did come up with some questions about players we've seen uh, that we liked, maybe didn't like quite so much throughout the, the whole process. And so let's just let's just start with the basic. Who is the player that you have drafted the most across your teams? 
This isn't going to surprise anyone at all. It is Austin Eckler. I have him in something like 40% of my teams, which to me shows a lot of faith in him because he is not like a mid-round guy. Like He is a first-round pick, so I, I'm putting a lot of stake in Austin Eckler. Although I will say this, Marcus, it's getting harder and harder and harder <laughs> to get Austin Eckler. And in a lot of my redraft leagues... I end up missing out on him. Like, I, in my home league this, this weekend, I was the ninth pick, and he went seventh overall, and I was just like, well, nothing I could do here. <laughs> yeah, I would think especially for, you know, people who, who pay attention to what you do, it, it's even harder because they know that you like him. Um, you know, like Adam Rank, I know, has has drafted him early, partially to troll you uh, <laughs> a little bit. So that that's not a surprise. Uh, for, me, it's a, for me, it's a first-round guy, too. It's Travis Kelsey, because um, I have just really been steadfast about trying to get one of the elite tight ends. And more often than not, you know, if I'm sitting in the middle part of the first round, it's been fairly easy to just make that Travis Kelsey pick. I will say, and, I, and I've gotten you know a good number of shares of, of Darren Waller and, and a couple of George Kittle. Um, I will say, though, like looking back, I sort of wish I had diversified a little bit more. Um, I mean, there are some teams where I wasn't able to get an elite guy. Uh, I've gotten Logan Thomas, uh, you know, and I, I wish I sort of would have done that just a little bit more, partially to see how more of those teams might have been built out uh, if I had gone, say, a running back or somewhere, somebody else in the in the first round. But uh, on the whole, like, I don't, I'm not mad at it. Like, I, I feel like I've got the guy that I can set in my lineup. I don't have to worry about it except for the, the Chiefs bye week. Um, you know, as long as he stays healthy, I know I'm going to get good production week in and week out. But just, you know, it, when you have so many teams, it allows you the chance to kind of be creative with your builds and do different things. And so I, I sort of wish, looking back, that maybe I had taken some more shots uh, outside of Kelsey and seen just, just kind of how those rosters would have looked. But uh, what's done is done. Don't <laughs> worry about it for next year. Um, so then on the flip side, is there a player you wish you would have drafted more this year? Yeah, we spoke about him earlier, but it's Saquon Barkley. I uh, The last week or so, Marcus, I've started to have this feeling that Saquon is about to go 2012 Adrian Peterson on us, hmm. uh, where we spend all offseason worrying, he starts falling in drafts, and, and maybe the first couple... Because I went back and looked at AP's game log from that year, and the first couple of weeks, 15 touches, 16, 17, and then from the middle of the season on, it was just absolute video game numbers. Maybe Saquon won't you know, rush for 2,000 yards. I think he'll have less rushing numbers, but more receiving numbers. I just keep thinking about it. I've changed the way I viewed him. Like I said earlier, I'm kind of viewing it now like the early season discount on production is worth it if, you know, come the middle of the year on, you're getting top two, top three players, Saquon again. So I kind of wish in the back end of my first round, Marcus, I was taking a lot of Jonathan Taylor and, and stuff like that. I wish I uh, sprinkled in a little bit more Saquon Barkley. I, I wish I had gone maybe a couple rounds later and gotten a little more James Robinson. Um, and and I, I was big on James Robinson before the ETN injury. I just felt like he was going to have a role, that they weren't going to just completely cast him aside, even though they had the, you know, the young rookie in there. Um, now, obviously, after the ETN injury, uh, it looks like it's going to be a heavy dose of Robinson. I'm not so worried about Carlos Hyde. Um, you know, I think he's going to get opportunity. He's going to be on the field, but I'm not really worried uh, that he's going to outperform Robinson to any significant level. And, and so even though... The ADP went up. I mean, it was great, you know, when ETN was there and that, that James Robinson ADP was like in the fifth or sixth round. Like, that was pretty cool. It bumped up to like the third round. 
but I still feel like there's going to be some value there just because they're going to give him the football a lot. Even with Trevor Lawrence there, even with you know their wide receivers there, I still think Robinson gets a pretty big role, and I'm sort of upset with myself that I didn't uh, you know, maybe maybe pay the draft price a little bit more often and get James Robinson because you know he was so great last year, and I don't see why he can't uh, be similarly great again this year in Jacksonville. This might be a mistake by me, but uh, something I've noticed that I did was like I drafted a lot of Gus Edwards, James Robinson, even in early drafts like Daryl Henderson, until the starter got hurt, and then you had to start paying starter price for those guys. <laughs> I have so much less of them now. And I'm not sure if that's a, a good decision or I, we'll we'll see throughout right. the season. But that's something I've been thinking it might be a mistake. The Henderson one was interesting for me because I did. I had this whole like story arc in my head of Daryl Henderson where like, you know, at the beginning of the year, I, I was, you know, I think there's a role for him. I'm going to draft him even with Cam Akers there. I think it's going to be fine. Akers gets hurt. And I was like of the opinion that like, you know what, the Rams are going to bring somebody in. Uh, you know, this is not going to completely be Henderson's job. And then we went weeks and nothing happened. And I think I allowed myself to kind of be lulled into a, a false sense of security and think that, oh, okay, well, maybe this really is going to be uh, all Daryl Henderson. And then they traded for Sony Michelle. And I'm like, I knew it. Uh, so I started to back off of him again. But, you know, I, I am sort of curious what happens, how much they use Sony Michelle. Uh, if he has more touchdown upside, what have you. But I, I really did. I, I think I made a full circle pretty much on Daryl Henderson this offseason. I think it's what you say. We we spend too much time thinking about this yeah. stuff and nothing is happening. Yeah. <laughs> we should go binge watch other things or like go outside <laughs> to do something so that we're not like, you know, overthinking it the whole time. Um, who is the biggest late riser? I mean, like, you know, person from the start of draft season to now that you know that in the last maybe few weeks uh has done the most movement for you i think that i'm i'm definitely guilty in this player's adp potentially rising um but it's jerry judy for me like just two months ago Cortland sutton was going ahead of jerry judy in a lot of drafts and we were kind of viewing judy as the second option there and now like jerry judy is not only going ahead of Cortland Sutton he is going rounds ahead of Cortland Sutton and again I'm guilty of doing it like I've taken Jerry Judy in the fourth round fifth round of some of my drafts because I have him ranked as a wide receiver too I think that he is going to have a breakout season I, I keep talking him up on anywhere that will let me talk him up Marcus <laughs> but I definitely have seen uh, as a whole too like the fantasy community really warming up to Jerry Judy I think and then once Teddy Bridgewater was named the starter there was no going back and his ADP just keeps going up yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely been a very popular name the last few weeks, just seeing and hearing a whole lot more uh, about him as though we didn't before anyway. Um, for me, it's going to be your, your guy, Austin Eckler, um, just because, uh, and maybe it's because of the people I draft with, right? Because I draft with you, and I draft with Rank, and I draft with a lot of really sharp, smart people. And, uh, I mean, Eckler was a guy that I think at the start of draft season, we were talking about him as a second-round pick, you know, early to mid-second round. Um, and then I think, what, in our, our Fantasy Live League, uh, rank took him at number four overall um, and I've seen that a couple places where he's going four or five because people are really excited about the potential I mean when you start saying things like he could be Alvin Kamara in this Charger offense not that he was far off to begin with I mean let's let's be honest like he wasn't too far behind Eckler or uh, uh, Kamara in terms of what he was doing before but now they've got Joe Lombardi there calling the plays, and you you think that, that maybe there's something big coming. So I, I've seen him just jump up to that that middle, almost high part of the first round, um, which has been hard. It's been hard because I want Austin Eckler too. 
It was once a hot take to say he could be a top five running back in PPR. Now it's almost the price you have to pay to get him on your roster. Yeah, I mean, it feels just like it. That's kind of what uh, what it has to be at this point. Um, all right, so then that's the biggest late riser. Who's the biggest late faller that you've seen? Jamar Chase. I mean, this guy, he went from being the top Bengals wide receiver off the board to now being, I, I often see him go last of the three. And I'm not sure there's been a good word spoken or written about him. We're at a camp. We're hearing <laughs> that he's got the drops. The little bit that we've seen him, he, he has struggled at times. We're hearing that he's struggling to make create separation. And I will say, early in draft season, when Jamar Chase was going as a top 20, sometimes top 24, but usually not later than that, wide receiver off the board, I was like, I want no part of it because you're either paying for history or you're paying for his ceiling. Like, there's no other way this could go. But now that he's been falling the last couple weeks. I'm seeing him go like 8th, ninth round. Now I'm willing to to jump in on him because <laughs> it's a 3-4 it's a round discount from just a month ago, and the guy hasn't played a single actual game or anything <laughs> to change it. We just uh, – I think it's what we talk about a lot, Marcus. We just hear this news, and, and we need something to react to. So Jamar Chase has been a victim of uh, a lot of poor headlines from the training camp. Yeah, there, there hasn't really been anything exciting coming out of Bengals training camp news-wise. I mean, you know, Jamar Chase is dealing with drops, apparently. Joe Burrow looks like he's not completely confident uh, in his knee at being fully healthy right now. Just the offensive line has looked to be a complete mess. It just, it just has not been a great start. Although it's weird, too, because I feel like there's been almost a carousel in terms of who is the Bengals receiver that we like them I shouldn't say that because Tyler Boyd still I think has been third the whole time <laughs> so I guess it's just been a two-man race between Jamar Chase and T Higgins and now it seems like Higgins has sort of taken the lead uh, on being the first Bengals wide receiver drafted um, yeah I think Chase is going to be fine you know it's obviously not a great start but I think he's going to be okay and you're right to get him in the eighth round as opposed to the you know fourth round um, I'll do that all day um, my guy is Raheem Mostert, uh, and that's another guy that I don't think we've spent a lot of time talking about this offseason. I mean, when we talk about the 49ers, uh, the conversation has been in no particular order. You know, Trey Lance, Brandon Ayuk, Trey Sermon. You know, obviously we'll talk some George Kittle, some Debo Samuel. We haven't really mentioned Raheem Mostert. And let's not forget, he is still their RB1. And he's just slowly sliding. I mean, you know, it went from fourth round to fifth round. So I think he's he's nearing the sixth round at this point. He's still the running back one on a team that's going to run a lot and is going to run effectively. And I know we like Trey Sermon. I like Trey Sermon too, but the gap has closed between the two of them in ADP. Uh, most of the guy that when he's healthy and he's right, I mean, he's averaged around five yards per carry, which is an insane number. And even if it's just a two-headed attack back there, which, you know, I don't know how much we're going to see, you know, the Jeff Wilsons or the Jermichael Hasties. I mean, Wayne Gallman's not there anymore. Um, you know, I don't think there's going to be another back in there very often for them. So I think, you know, I just, I'm surprised that, that we just have overlooked Raheem Mostert. I think maybe it's just because we, we talked so much about Trey Sermon that by default, uh, Mostert has sort of been knocked down. But, um, the last couple of weeks I've been drafting him and I feel okay about it just because he's just still hanging around there in the middle rounds and nobody seems to, to want a piece of him. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. 
No, I, I just like uh, you were saying earlier, you went full circle with someone. For me, that's kind of been this 49ers backfield. Like, I remember jumping in a couple of drafts right after the NFL draft, and Sermon was going ahead of Mostert, and I was like, this feels like a backfield that Raheem Mostert <laughs> is the screaming value. Everyone wants the new shiny toy, but Mostert will be the starter and probably get some more work. And then Mostert kind of overtook Sermon again in ADP, and I was like, all right, I'm cool getting Sermon then at a little bit of a discount. And then now we're kind of back to where, like, the rookie at times goes ahead of him. And I could see this being a situation, Marcus, where it's like part of the season is, is Mostert the one you want to start. And then maybe he is struggles to stay healthy. But I think early on, especially if he is healthy, he is going to be the, the 49er back, I think, that you want to start more often, at least early on. Yeah, I think especially early on, I think you're going to see a lot of Raheem Mostert. And then, you know, it's going to be an interesting backfield. But I think what we have seen from Kyle Shanahan is that you know, we can have two backs and they can be pretty successful back there. So, uh, you know, maybe it ends up working out that both of them are fine. I just think it's funny that people have sort of, you know, glossed over Raheem Mostert uh, this offseason. Um, who's the one player you have avoided at all costs this draft season? It's someone that I was really high on last year. It's it's Adam Thielen. And the reason for that is last year, he's still going in like the fourth round right now. And and last year we saw his catches and his yards really dip. Like he didn't even have a thousand yards last year, but he had the 14 touchdowns. And that equated to 33% of his fantasy points, which was the most any receiver scored from touchdowns. And Marcus, I'm going to take a line from you. Touchdowns are fickle beasts, right? Fickle. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, Adam, if, if Adam Thielen, he goes from a career-high 14 back to his normal range of 8-9 touchdowns, that's a huge drop-off there. And if he can't get the yardage back up, because he is at a, a little bit of an elevated age at 31 years old. We have seen him deal with injuries in the past. And we know on a team that is going to run a lot, they passed the six fewest last season. Justin Jefferson is the number one. And last year, the gap in targets just kept getting wider and wider and wider. Like, early in the year, Thielen was leading the league in target share. And as the year went on, not only did Justin Jefferson pass him, it wasn't even that close at the end of the year. So, I think Justin Jefferson is going to get a lot of volume. And, Marcus, in my home league yesterday, it's a keeper league. Adam Thielen was there on the in the fifth and sixth round for me, but with it being a keeper league, I decided to go for younger, higher upside players like T. Higgins and Chase Claypool. And in the fantasy live draft last week, Thielen was sitting there in the fifth round, and I took Kyle Pitts over him. So I, I just can't find myself drafting Adam Thielen this year. Yeah, I you know I haven't actively avoided him, but I also haven't drafted him just because you know, where I, where he usually is. There are other there are other players that I think are more interesting. Um, I would say the one thing going for him is that you know as long as Kirk Cousins is there, we know that passing game is pretty much going to be Thielen and Jefferson. But you're right, uh, at some point that touchdown number is probably going to come down. Um, and if it does, that's really going to truly impact uh, what his overall production is. So I, I sort of get that. Um, I, I have been out on DeAndre Swift pretty much from the jump. Um, that was why when we did our mock draft last week and, and Matt Okada took him, I really wanted to – like, I, I think Okada's a smart guy. He studies this stuff. He knows this stuff. I really wanted to get his thoughts on why uh, he drafted Swift where he did. He doesn't have any fear of Jamal Williams. 
I do. And that's sort of why I've been drafting Williams much, much later, because I think he's still going to have a pretty significant role. I mean, look, Jamal Williams was the reason anybody who drafted Aaron Jones all those years in Green Bay felt frustrated because Williams would come in, take those opportunities and generally do well with them. I think that's going to happen in Detroit. He might even get more opportunity than he did in Green Bay. Uh, And especially week one with uh, the Lions not being certain about Swift's status. Uh, I think that means especially early in the season, we could see a lot of Jamal Williams. But it's a bad offense. Um, You know, there's another running back there to take his touches. And just where the asking price was, I wasn't willing to do it. That's not to say that I'm not drafting Lions, because like I said, I draft Jamal Williams. Uh, I have been pounding the table for Amon Ross St. Brown in the late rounds. So it's not that I'm just all out on that offense. I'm just out on DeAndre Swift at where you have to get him. I just, I couldn't do it. I didn't want any parts of it, Florio. Yeah, I was super excited for Swift at the end of last season, thinking that this year he could explode. But everything has gone wrong for him. Like, not only is last year like remember marcus he had that bad concussion where like ap said Mm -hmm. swift hasn't even been himself so that was one thing we already had to worry about injury wise then he's been banged up all training camp and preseason we haven't seen him at all where jamal williams is getting all the work with the ones they brought in jamal williams they they didn't really bring in any pieces in the passing game that makes me think that like i like amon ross st brown but defenses aren't going to focus on him and not deandre swift so i think the game plan when facing the lions is going to be take swift out of out of the equation and see it make them beat us with their other pieces so i've gone from someone that i was excited for swift you know back when last season ended to being with you and really not targeting him in any of my drafts yeah i just i can't do it um you know if he were a couple rounds later, maybe I'd think about it. But I, I think I've seen third round, and I just I can't I can't pull the trigger I, on it at that point. I could have kept him as a sixth rounder in my keeper league that I drafted over the weekend, and instead mm. I threw him back and kept Josh Allen for a fourth. So that Josh Allen was my backup plan, and I just got to the point where I was like, it's so much safer than keeping Swift. Yeah, especially in the fourth round, I think that's that's not a bad move at all. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So as we mentioned, I know there are folks that are still doing drafts. I, I'm sure there are going to be drafts up to Thursday, maybe even beyond Thursday. Um, so for people who uh, are just jumping in or about to do their drafts, do you have one big piece of advice that they should remember? Yeah, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record by the time uh, draft prep season is over, which we're coming to the end. But mm-hmm. running back dries up super, super fast. Get your running backs early. I like to take a running back in the first round. And then if one of like these running backs, like Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, Gibson, or CEH are still there in the second round, that is the cutoff for me. I will still double down and take a second running back. But... If those guys are all gone and you're in the middle of the second or late second round, that's when I will pivot to one of the top five receivers or Darren Waller. Um, but if these running backs are there, I'm starting off RB, RB almost every draft that I'm in. Yeah, I'm, I've been very, I've been, you know, tight in RB or RB, RB uh, in a lot of my drafts this year because you're right. I mean, there's such a big drop off uh, after you get, you know, maybe into, you know, 12 or so uh, running backs. I, I, I don't feel great about having one of those guys as like my first running back going into the year. Uh, for me, it's basically like, just remember, like building your, your fantasy roster is sort of like building a house, right? Like you want your early picks to be the foundation. You want a safe floor, which is why, you know, I saw somebody wondering if Derrick Henry was being overdrafted. And I'm like, he's got about as safe a floor as you can imagine. It's why Christian McCaffrey is going number one. It's why we still talk about Saquon in the first round. You want those guys that are going to give you a safe floor as your first round pick. As you build, you're working more and more toward a player's ceiling, right? As you start to get to the, the middle rounds, right? You you know you're going to have that foundation. You're going to have a fairly safe floor, but you can start taking shots at guys that you feel like have upside. And then especially by the time you get to the end, you are all upside. I know it's sometimes easy and comforting to take a familiar name. You might be hanging around in those late rounds and you see Carlos Hyde and you're like, hey, I remember that guy. I know that guy. Let's draft that that guy maybe not maybe you want to take a, a, a younger guy or a rookie 
that has a path toward being productive. You want to swing more for the fences um, because you know if you're taking a safe floor guy in the late rounds, that safe floor might be like you know five or six points a week, and that's not going to help you. You want the guy that can have the occasional breakout and get you a double-digit week every so often. Uh, have that guy coming off your bench playing in your flex spot, and that's going to make you feel a lot better. So uh, early rounds, you're, you're drafting for the floor. Late rounds, you're drafting for the ceiling. Um, yeah, think of it like a house. I know Cynthia does her take it to the house thing on our show on Fantasy Live. Uh, think about it like that. So you can do, uh, you know, it's like DIY for, for home improvement, <laughs> for, for fantasy roster improvement. Um, why as we end up this show with uh, some predictions for the year? I feel like that's only fitting. So let's start with who do you think will be the fantasy MVP? I really struggled on this one because I don't like to pick someone who goes in the early rounds like... Uh, I, like in the first round, like I, I went naturally to like I think Austin Eckler could win a lot of people leagues this year, but he's going in the first round, so I mean he would kind of be doing what he is doing. Someone that I think could be a, a potential league winner, so I, I'm gonna pick this guy. It's a little bit deeper, but still an early round pick. I think Terry McLaurin could really win a lot of people leagues this year. He is super explosive we know his downfield capabilities and now he's got the best quarterback that he's played with and a, the best fit for his skill set like last year it all kind of crumbled when Alex Smith started uh, for Washington because Alex Smith was dumping it off to JD McKissick and not looking downfield to Terry McLaurin Ryan Fitzpatrick is not only going to throw it downfield to Terry McLaurin he's going to lock in Marcus and he's going to force it at times when other <laughs> quarterbacks would go somewhere else so I think because of the fact that Fitzpatrick peppers his number one historically at least locks in on his number one target I think you could count potentially on like 140 to 150 targets out of Terry McLaurin and if he approaches that number with what he could do downfield I think that he could be a really big league winner and someone that you get in like the third or fourth round of drafts so I like that I'm gonna actually take his teammate Antonio Gibson um, yeah, I mean, I think I think with what we saw last year, uh, obviously he blew us away in terms of what he could be as a running back. And now the talk of him getting more targets this year. I mean, last year he had 44 targets. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if you see that number bump up closer to 70 or 80 this year. And I think that that's going to play a huge difference in what happens uh, with him. And the fact that he is a second-round pick, I think in terms of the, the production you can get, look, I think his, his, his ceiling potentially is certainly top eight. Um, and now you get him in the second round, I think that, that's going to be pretty good value, so I, I'm going to put him in there. Uh, so Justin has a question. If you could get Gibson second round, McLaurin third round, do you do it or do you avoid one if you have the other? I, I, I would do. do it. Yeah, I would do it too. I, I'm not afraid to have teammates, Marcus, if I think both of those teammates are good, right? Like I, I wouldn't want to have teammates lo going lower down where like one week it could be one, but how often are – either one of those two guys going to have a bad game. Like, even if McLaurin is seeing 8 to 10 targets, there's still plenty of work for Antonio Gibson. I would not shy away from pairing these two up at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, because especially because they, they are, you know, they do different things, essentially. There's there's ways for both of them to be successful. I know Adam Rank said he won't uh, he won't do the Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen daily double, um, but I don't I don't really have an issue with it. So Me neither. I, 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 take I don't like it if we start getting down to like Josh Jacobs or and like Darren Wall, maybe something like that. Like the mm -hmm. lower you get, but the high end guys, they're we're taking them this early for a reason because they're good almost we're, every week. Just, just, just draft good players. That's my philosophy. I think if you um, get Keenan and and Eckler, 
get Justin Herbert and just go with the whole stack. And just ride it out, man. <laughs> ride the whole thing out. Um, all right. Uh, so the top scores at each position. Who is your top scoring quarterback this year? I think it's going to be Kyler Murray. I think uh, Murray was on pace last year to be the QB1 and to be the best quarterback in fantasy history until he suffered that shoulder injury and started running less. But he is the goal line runner, as we saw last year. I think his rushing yardage is safer than what you'll get out of, like, Allen or Mahomes. That's why I give him just a slight little edge over Allen. Um, And I think with the increased passing weapons there, too, we could get a career high in passing numbers out of Kyler as well. I'm going to double down on that and, and agree because I think you know you're talking about a guy who rushing wise really ranks right up there. I mean he's he's maybe second only to Lamar Jackson in terms of what his rushing upside can be and passing wise. I mean last year his his passing numbers were on par with Matthew Stafford. So uh, that's a pretty good combination to put together. And as you mentioned, they they are hoping I think to be a little more effective throwing the football this year. I think Kyler's still going to run the ball quite a bit this year. Maybe, maybe he doesn't hit a thousand yards. Maybe he's you know still hanging around eight hundred. I'm fine with that. So um, I've had him as my third quarterback off the board just because I feel like rankings-wise, I I feel more comfortable taking Josh Allen second. But I do think uh, I would not be surprised if Kyler Murray ends up as the QB1 when it's all said and done. Um, All right, your RB1 this year. Uh, I'm going to be boring here, Marcus. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. I uh, <laughs> I wanted to make a joke like this is going to be like his season coming back like Jordan with, with the 45. But <laughs> the thing is, no one is at all. Like, like he, everyone has Christian McCaffrey as their number one running back. And if there's anyone out there who doesn't, he's probably number two. I mean, what this guy did two years ago was have the second best season in fantasy history behind only 2006 LaDainian Tomlinson. And then... Last year, he was injured, but the games he played, he still averaged 30 fantasy points per game. I I don't expect anything to change in this offense. I think that he's going to be a safe bet for close to 1,000, 1,000. He'll have, you know, over 100 catches again. He is just a cheat code with what he can do on both the ground and in the passing game. So I will pick CMC, but I just got to say, my dark horse continues to be Austin Eckler. And I think if anyone could put up CMC-type numbers, I think it's Austin Eckler. So that's where I'm going to go, actually, is Austin Eckler. I just, yeah. just right? Just because I, you know, I, I, I want to be somewhat exciting. Um, and I think the opportunity is there. I, I like the Chargers' offense this year. Um, you know, pretty much everybody that, that is fantasy relevant, I think, is going to be successful from Eckler to Allen to Herbert to Mike Williams, who I've, I've been a fan of drafting sort of in the later rounds there. But, um, you know, I think for Eckler, the only real issue is just staying on the field and staying healthy. If he's able to do that, uh, the rushing volume is going to be there. We know the passing volume is going to be there. And, and I would like to see. Uh, the Chargers use him more down near the goal line. I know there's been talk of maybe them bringing in another back. Maybe we see Josh Kelly. Maybe it's Larry Roundtree or somebody like that down near the goal line. But I, I hope that Eckler gets those opportunities because then at that point, uh, it really is to the moon with him. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there on the limb and say that Austin Eckler is gonna be the uh, the running back one this year. Love it. All right, uh, wide receiver. Who's your, who's your top receiver this year? So, like, my top-ranked wide receiver is Devontae Adams, and I think he's the favorite to be the number one scoring wide receiver, but I didn't want to go boring again. So, (laughs) I don't think, for me at least, I would be surprised if it's not any of the top five guys, but I think the one with potentially the highest ceiling is Calvin Ridley. Like, Mm -hmm. Calvin Ridley is now in this Falcons offense that we know is going to have to throw a bunch. They didn't add a whole lot to their defense. They're going to be trailing a lot, and he is going to get – more air yards, I think, than anyone. That That's who he has been for this offense. 
Plus, he was even better without Julio Jones. So people who are worried about no Julio there, I wouldn't be. He was so elite without, with and without Julio. Uh, I think the target share goes up. And I think that he has someone in Kyle Pitts now to still take defensive attention off of just Calvin Ridley. We know he could score touchdowns. I think his ceiling is having like a historic type of season this year. Yeah, I, I know everybody loves Calvin Ridley, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he was number one. I'm going to stay in that top five, and I'm going to go Stephon Diggs um, just because what he did last year was – I think we always knew he had that potential. It just never really completely came together in Minnesota. He goes to Buffalo. He becomes their wide receiver one. He and Josh Allen make beautiful music together in their first season, and I think the only – the only threshold left for Stefan Diggs is to hit double-digit touchdowns. And I think this is the year he can do that. He can get 10 or more touchdowns in this offense this year. I think the target share stays the same. You're talking about 160, maybe 170 even targets for him. You know, over 120 catches. Uh, you know, I think he gets back to, I mean, there's there's 18 games, or 17 games rather. So I think he can certainly get back to 1,500 yards, maybe even more this year. And so now with that extra game, I think he finally gets to double-digit touchdowns. And uh, I think this is the year that we talk about Stefan Diggs uh, as the wide receiver one after sort of being on the, on the doorstep for a while. Um, I feel like tight end one, there's really only one real answer. Though maybe you'll surprise me, but I, I feel like it's, it's a pretty simple answer for this one. <laughs> I'm going to try to surprise you, Marcus. Okay. I actually put Darren Waller. Okay, I, cool. I, I think it is a almost a lock that it's Travis Kelsey. And if it is not Kelsey, I really think it's only Waller that could surpass him. Like, Waller, because Kittle has the talent. And I think Kittle might be overall the most talented tight end in football. But I don't know if he has the volume. Like, the Chiefs are just naturally going to pass way more than the Niners. And Kittle has competition there, whereas... Waller was averaging over nine targets a game last year because all it's all going to run through him. It's going to be so funneled through him. So while Kelsey, I think, is the front runner and the obvious lock, he's done it five years in a row, which is absurd. But I think if he isn't the tight end one this year, it'll be Darren Waller because the volume, he he's basically Travis Kelsey light. So uh, I, I think that it would be him. And I, I would be surprised, really, if it was anyone besides these two. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Kelsey for all the reasons you stated. I mean, he's been on top for so long, and and nothing seems to have changed in Kansas City. He is still Patrick Mahomes' favorite target. I mean, it's it's him and Tyreek Hill, and that's that's mostly it there in what is you know maybe the most exciting passing game in the league. So I'm gonna take him, but I will agree with you that if it's not Travis Kelsey, I feel like Darren Waller is the only real candidate. I mean, I, I've had him ahead of Kittle for all those reasons you mentioned. Like you know, the Niners are gonna spread the ball around. It's not that Kittle is bad or has gotten worse there's just more places to go with the football for the 49ers than there are for the Raiders um you know maybe Brian Edwards steps up maybe Henry Ruggs steps up but I don't think it's going to be enough to significantly eat into Darren Waller's target share and I still think when things break down that's where Derek Carr is going to go with the football when he's in trouble and needs some help so um yeah it's it's a two-man race Besides those two, and I guess for Jordan, there's a non-zero chance it could be Kittle. Like, do you think there's sure. a chance that it could be any any other tight end besides those three? If it was anybody outside of those three, that would be a major upset. I mean, I, even, I think even if it's Kyle is the Pitts, the only other one that yeah. has a non-zero chance. But even if it's Pitts, I mean, that would still be a huge. I mean, obviously, I 
I would. It would be the know. greatest tight end rookie season ever. Ever, right? Like <laughs> absolutely ever. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess it could happen. I don't think it'll happen. I think it's pretty much it's pretty much uh, Kelsey and Waller, and everybody else is playing for third <laughs> <You know? laughs> at this point. Um, all right. Last thing. Your biggest season long hot take for twenty twenty one. I've, I know people are going to come in my mentions for this one, Marcus, but I think the Bucks' offense is going to be more frustrating for fantasy than a lot of mm. people want to admit. And I think part of it is because, one, it is tied to a 44-year-old quarterback. Look, I know that, that – I think it was you the other day that said people have gone broke against <laughs> Tom Brady, and I know how, how silly he could make me look. But at 44, I have to have concerns, especially coming off of knee surgery. They could try to spin that as a positive any way they want. 44, knee surgery, to me, that has me worried. But then the other thing is that there's just so many options. Like Mm -hmm. Evans, Godwin, A.B., Gronk, and the running backs are all going to be involved in the passing game. And like last year, Mike Evans was good for fantasy, but he did it. With career lows across the board and a career-high touchdown rate. So, like, if that touchdown rate comes back down, Evans could be disappointing. I think God went, like, week to week, I think this is just going to be more frustrating than than people want to, to believe. I could be dead wrong on this one. It's a hot take for a reason, but I don't have a whole lot of exposure to the Bucks' offense because I think it's going to just be frustrating. I'm with you. I, I was drafting Chris Godwin sort of early on in, in the spring and summer. Um, and then the more the Antonio Brown drum beats got louder, the more I just sort of backed away from this offense altogether. Because I like Godwin, but you're right. Brown's going to get his. Evans is still going to get his. Uh, you know, there is still Gronk in there. I, I really avoided drafting the running backs, even though I want to draft Rojo. Like, I like him. I want him, I want him on my team, but... Uh, with Fournette and Gio Bernard hanging around there, there, I think you're absolutely right. I think I think it's going to be frustrating week to week. These guys will spike. It's just going to be hard to figure out when and who it's going to be. So I, I've sort of stayed away from that one. Um, my my big hot take for the year is that Tua Tungavailoa is going to end up as a QB one. Um, maybe a low end QB one, but a QB one nonetheless. I mean, they have gone out and they have supplied him with weapons and where. The Jamar Chase news has not been very exciting coming out of Cincinnati. I feel like there's a little bit more excitement about Jalen Waddell down there in Miami. They've got Will Fuller, who what, misses, I think, the first game as he finishes out his suspension. Um, and then he's going to be back on the field. I mean, this is after what we've seen Devontae Parker sort of break out the last couple of years. Mike Gasicki is, is a serviceable tight end. Um, Miles Gaskin is a, is a good running back. But on top of it, it's just about Tua being healthy and having a year under his belt. You know, all the people who were down on him last year and, and all the, the talk saying that maybe the Dolphins should have gone out and gotten Justin Herbert. Like, let's remember, this dude was coming off a major hip injury um, and sort of getting himself comfortable in the NFL. So I think he's going to be better. I think there's going to be some big plays in that offense. Uh, and that's my hot take is that, you know, we'll end the year and, and Tua might be hanging around 10, 11, 12 somewhere. Uh, and all the people who doubted and faded will be, uh, you know, They'll have the old Twitter apologies for whatever they're worth. I love this call, Marcus. I I have so much of Tua as my second quarterback in leagues just because I love the upside. Not only, like like you said, the hip injury, Waddle and Fuller with Parker and Gasecki already. I think last year was just the worst scenario that Tua could have been thrown into, and it is so much better this year. And Marcus, I I learned over the weekend in a couple of years, we're going to get another. Tongue of Iloa to root Yeah, for. yeah. He's got a brother out there uh, that's playing. So there, there, there'll be one more in the league. That'll be great. It, very similar name as well. 
Yeah, uh, I don't remember what it is, but I know it's very similar to Tua. Uh, it's kind of like Calvin and Calvin Ridley. <laughs> right, which, I, that was <laughs> weird. Oh, it's uh, Talia uh, Tungamayaloa. I think I'm saying it right. Um, but yeah, they're spelled very similarly. Yeah, and so I, I learned that via Patrick uh, Claybon that Calvin Ridley's brother, Riley, Riley's first name is actually Kevin. It's yeah, like, yeah, that's it's like, what it is. It's like Calvin without the L, which seems... <laughs> Which is probably why he goes by Riley, because it seems really <laughs> confusing. Um, yeah, I did not know that until last week, so that was a new thing to me. It's also uh, like a Rugnet Odor and his younger brother, Rugnet Odor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, uh, that's another one that, that really, really confused me. Like, wait, how do you... I mean, look, I mean, you know, George Foreman named all his kids some form of George, so... Uh, <laughs> I guess you could figure all that out. How many forms of George are there? I don't know, but uh, I think there's like, you know... There's a whole bunch of them named George, and then his daughter, I think, is like Georgina or Georgette or something like that. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess that makes it easy when you're upset and you just want to yell at your kids. You just have one name to remember, and <laughs> you figure it out from there. Um, all right, so this is it. Like, we got, we are back. In case you haven't noticed, it is Monday. So we're Mondays and Wednesdays now. We are into our regular season schedule. Uh, so we'll be back with you on Wednesday uh, as we get ready for week one. It's time, Florio. Like, we, we, I'm, I'm out of takes. Uh, I gave you my hot take. I'm pretty much done. I'm ready for this thing to start. Yeah, I, I said it to start the show. Like, Bill Belichick, man. On to, I woke up today and I was like, I... I don't want to talk about drafts, you know, like, like I'm happy we have one more podcast and then everything is kind of on to week one. Cause I'm like you, I'm, I'm all drafted out and I'm ready for this thing to get started. Yeah, man, let's get this done. So in the, in the meantime for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL fantasy football show. You know, the drill, tell two friends to tell two friends, rate review. And remember, if you think nothing is impossible, try slamming a revolving door, be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated and we'll see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.